Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I am pleased to introduce today's speaker and topic, mail. The delivery and receipt of it has vastly changed over the past several decades. Increasingly, mail is delivered to, to inboxes, not mailboxes. Important documents can be scanned and sent electronically. Last year, Canadians sent significantly less mail, one billion fewer pieces than in 2006. Digital alternatives are rapidly replacing traditional mail delivery, and that trend is expected to continue. Compared to 2008, Canada Post is now delivering almost 24% less mail than three years ago. Mr. Deepak Chopra was appointed to deliver change to the Canada Post Corporation. Since being appointed President and Chief Executive Officer of the Corporation, Canada Post has been on an intensive transformation journey. In fact, transformation is part of its core values. Mr. Chopra brings more than 20 years of global experience to the task at hand. He has an impressive track record as a postal industry leader. He held a number of senior executive roles with Pitney Bowes. While working for the $6 billion global mailing and communication technology company, Mr. Chopra was president of its new Asia Pacific and Middle East region. And most recently, he was president and chief executive officer of Pitney Bowes Canada and Latin America. In addition to serving on the boards of Canada Post Corporation and Purelater, he also serves on the boards of the Conference Board of Canada and the Canada Post Community Foundation, a charity devoted to children's causes. He's a fellow of the Institute of Certified General Accountants of Canada and has a bachelor's degree in commerce, honors, and a master's degree in business management. Before I relinquish the podium, I would like to encourage our live audience to take this opportunity to join the conversation by filling out the Q&A cards at your table. Our volunteers will be by to collect them. And now, Mr. Chopra, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is yours. It's comforting that uh, we can still fill a room to listen to a mailman. Um, <laughs> if you go by the history with the arrival of fax machines and telegraph and everything else that has happened in between, statistically speaking, we should be irrelevant. But I guess somehow the journey continues. Um, just before preparing my remarks, I thought I'll Google the history of Canadian Club. And I quickly cut and pasted a paragraph on the history, and I said, uh, you know, there may be some parallels for me to compare Canada Post's history. So Gordon, it went on something like this. Um, Hiram Walker, a successful grain merchant, founded what, be what would become Canadian Club. It further went on to say, our whiskey was different, smooth, and easy. <laughs> I thought internet was playing tricks on my business only. Um, you could have filled a few more tables. Unfortunately, those folks are at next door at the other Canadian club <laughs> doing, doing tasting. Um, well, thank you for, uh, for the invitation, uh, especially to Ratna for, for uh, the invitation to share our journey. A journey that began a long time ago, in fact, 251 years ago, with the Treaty of Paris. Those of you who are rusty on history, it was 1763. Hugh Finley was appointed as the postmaster at Quebec under the leadership of Ben Franklin, the British, Amer British North America Postmaster General. We established three post offices, Quebec City, Montreal, and Trois-Rivières. 
And uh, the service began from these three cities to New York once a month. And in the summer months, the service would go up twice a month. So literally, we began our 251-year history on the horses. Canada's Postal Service has demonstrated an extraordinary ability to adapt with times. While each of our major change periods was painful, our ability to stay relevant all through these years has served as an incredible inspiration for every generation of leaders who has had the privilege of serving this corporation. Technology has been changing our business for centuries. Back in 1860, thinking that the mail service was too slow, I think I've heard that before, uh, William Russell, William Waddell, and Alexander Majors decided to set up an express service that consisted of relays of men riding horses, carrying saddlebags of mail across a 2,000-mile journey. The service opened officially in April 1860 under the banner of Pony Express. When riders left simultaneously from St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California, the first westbound trip was made in nine days and 23 hours, and the eastbound trip took 11 days and 12 hours. The service only lasted 19 months when the completion of Pacific Telegraph Line ended the need for its existence, 1860. Since then, we have seen the rise and fall of passenger railways. We were once one of their major customers. Those of you who may remember, railway mail was part of our history. It was part of the nostalgia that we still talk about. We were one of the largest customers of Canadian national railways. And railway mail was finally discontinued in the 1960s, and so was Saturday mail delivery. As you know, our friends to the south are still debating the Saturday mail de delivery question. The railway story ended with a period of painful restructuring leading to separation of freight railways from passenger railways. We have also seen the rise and fall of telephone companies. Back in 1973, when Michael Cooper made his first call, some of you may remember, the two-kilo cell phone, it was also unflatteringly nicknamed the brick by naysayers but ended up shattering the traditional phone companies. Now, given the large cost structure required by either railways, telephone companies, or indeed the Postal Service, they eventually evolved into natural monopolies. In return for having access to a network business, there was an obligation on everyone's part to keep them viable, keep them using. Canadians embraced motor car and air travel leaving railway companies to reinvent themselves. Just as they embraced cellular networks, leaving the telephone companies to reinvent. Over the last 250 years, we have built a $6 billion network that connects every address in every corner of our great country. But as the real competitor to paper-based businesses arrived in the form of a tablet back in 2010, Canadians began embracing digital documents at an unprecedented rate, quietly walking away from their end of the bargain of the unwritten social contract. After the longest bull run in the mailing industry from 1969 to about 2007, mail declined 1.2 billion pieces between 2007 and 2012. 
Now, when you look at the four decades in between, male grew between 1969 and 1975 by a billion pieces. The epic rise of male. Our losses tripled in that period. A business whose revenues are growing like crazy, that was the model we had. But then we introduced postal codes and mechanization, and that gave rise to a four-decade period, the longest bull run in any industry that was led by bank statements, credit cards, cable, anything that anyone else invented led to a monthly bill, and we delivered. And that gave us the longest opportunity. Had we not mechanized and introduced postal codes, we would probably need 400,000 people hand-sorting the mail. That was the period we went through. In some ways, you can argue that was a golden period. But mail being delivered to every household is down by 30%. Yet, we have added 1.2 million new addresses in the same period, more addresses to serve less and less mail in each letterbox. This equation was simply not sustainable. Would have led to a billion dollar in losses by 2020. So we announced our five-point plan. It has been widely reported, widely debated. While there is agreement that Canada Post must change, there is a lot of debate on the choice of our five-point plan. And the package we announced is one of the most comprehensive package balancing the competing priorities of Canadians. I wish there was a one simple liner that could solve the complex 251-year journey and a fixed-cost network of $6 billion. Start a bank, some have argued. I'm sure there are a lot of bankers in the room who can relate to that statement. When in trouble, start a bank. <laughs> Open the market to competition. That will teach them a lesson. Every part of our business today is fully competitive. We're the only business where our brightest and best customers are in direct competition with us. Largest banks, telephone companies, utilities are now delivering mail. Happens to be digital. Our direct marketing business competes directly head-on with some of the world's brightest companies, Facebook, Google, search engines. Our parcel business competes head-on with UPS, FedEx, DHL, and other global players. So the notion that somehow open the market and it'll teach them a lesson, well, we are competing already. And I would argue they're competing successfully. Some have argued sell it off. And some others argue, who needs the postal service anyways? When you try and transform a 250-year young institution that generates over $7.5 billion in revenues and enables almost $75 billion of economic activity, enabling businesses to communicate and transact with Canadians whose 63,000 employees touch 15 million addresses, delivering 40 million items each and every day, I believe Canadians would agree that Canada Post is a key component of our economic ecosystem. But this means we have an enormous responsibility to strike the right balance between the needs of various Canadian categories. Rural versus urban Canadians. Digitally connected and non-connected Canadians. Small businesses versus large businesses employees, and customers. 
demands of our unions, and the need to ensuring the long-term viability of this great institution. Preserving the heritage, and yet embracing technology. While it is tempting to kick the can down the road and tinker around the edges, I can tell you from my experience, it would have been a lot easier to tinker around the edges and kick the can down the road. But it would neither be in the spirit of the transformational legacy of this great institution that has kept us relevant for generations, nor be in the best interest of our shareholder, the Canadian taxpayers. Let me share the complexity of decision-making on at least one of the components of our five-point plan. One of our largest costs in our male-centric network is actually the delivery leg of our network. We have several modes of delivery. The lowest cost is $60 per address, which is largely in rural Canada where Canadians come and pick up their mail from the local post office. And the most expensive mode of delivery is $275 per address, where we go to each door to deliver increasingly less and less mail. The next, or the middle ground, is community mailboxes that cost us around $120 per address. And it turns out two-thirds of addresses, 10 million addresses in Canada that we serve today, receive their mail through one of our lower cost options that range between $60 and $120. Those include homes with community mailboxes, apartments, condominiums, seniors' homes, or mail delivered where the mail is delivered to a central lobby. And rural communities who pick up their mail at the end of the laneway or at the local post offices. The remaining one-third, or five million addresses, receive their mail at the door. Now, delivery to these addresses costs us extra $500 million compared to the other 10 million addresses. And yet, when we met with communities across the country all through 2013, we heard two very competing needs in solving this problem. Those who enjoy at-the-door delivery argued that just deliver the mail twice a week. Who needs the mail anyways? Back to my earlier point. Yet, the small businesses, rural and northern communities, Canadians who rely on mail for their cash flow, advertising, advertising is $1.2 billion of revenue for Canada Post. Advertising that brings customers to their stores on the weekends told us that there is no good day to stop mail delivery. Now, to complicate the matters further, everyone wants their parcels and online shopping delivered the very next day. Or better yet, same day. And it is important to note that millions of Canadians who depend on paper bills and statements and other time-sensitive information, such as medical results, prescription medication, health products, want their mail delivered as quickly as possible so they can avoid late charges and tend to urgent matters. These are not easy decisions. It gives you a flavor of the type of competing priorities we tackle every single day on every single issue when you're trying to serve the country as vast and diverse as ours. We had to balance the needs to protect the long-term viability of the Postal Service against all of these needs. And there is no other Western postal service that has switched to lesser frequency of mail. Mail is what we do. 
it was clear when we deliver, what we deliver to Canadians matters. And therefore, we concluded that the need to protect the postal service for all Canadians will come ahead of other choices. We also have a tried and tested model of rolling out community mailboxes for 30 years, a solution that has stood the test of time. Therefore, we decided that on balance, standardizing delivery for the remaining one-third addresses and saving desperately needed money to balance the books was the right answer. Indeed, some of our measures that we announced will require changes in the daily routine of some Canadians. But we will do everything in our power to make sure that this transition is as smooth as possible. We are mindful of the special responsibility and obligation that all Canadians have on Canada Post and our responsibility to Canadians to be able to receive and send mail without facing undue hardship. We are committed to fulfilling that responsibility in all circumstances. But in the face of tectonic shift in our industry, we must make some difficult choices. Otherwise, we threaten our own relevance, not just for the next quarter or next year, but for the next generation. This next generation was born with Nintendo in their hands and iPods in their ears. They read their news in 140 characters. They watch TV shows on their tablets. Instead of writing letters, they spend 24-7 on Facebook. And most importantly, they're one-click shoppers who are global citizens. And therein lies our greatest opportunity. What good is a one-click shopping if the process of receiving your package requires you to be home all day waiting for the package, or worse yet, you come home and having to drive across town to pick up your online shopping. Canadians are leading busy lives. The same internet that has played havoc on our letter mail business has the potential of creating the greatest opportunity for Canada Post. We have spent two years researching, experimenting, trialing solutions that will allow us to successfully play in the fast-growing online shopping space. One of the key ingredients of our five-point plan is to equip Canada with most convenient mail and parcel locker system. And this means bringing the remaining one-third addresses into the national network. This is our single largest cost-saving opportunity, but also happens to create the foundation for growth. Cost reduction initiatives rarely become the foundation of growth, but at this point in our history, the cost saving happens to collide with the biggest opportunity for creating online parcel networks. Many countries are aspiring to get anywhere close to where we are already. Canadians will transact digitally, but consume physically. Just as we built a national infrastructure to deliver mail across the country, we must now build the physical highway that will be the backbone of the digital highway. Within five years, Canada will become the first country in the world to have a national parcel locker network. We have also invested in our digital capabilities to allow online capabilities. Every service that's available at the post office can be accessed through our virtual post office. You can buy stamps, 
You can redirect your mail, sign up for hold your mail when you're going on vacation, sign up to receive electronic bills and statements, find our rates, locate a post office, or track your incoming packages for your favorite online shopping. In fact, last year alone, customers used our tracking 90 million times. We believe this convenience will encourage all businesses, small and large, to participate in the digital economy. For centuries, the mail has been changing its shape and size. Yet again, we're seeing more boxes than letters. While preserving our ability to continue to deliver to each address in each part of our country, this new network will allow businesses new opportunities to reach customers. Being able to send samples, large items, or items that require delivery behind a lock and key will open up new ideas. But this new backbone of digital highway requires people. They're at the heart of everything we do. We have an incredibly passionate workforce. In fact, last Christmas, our people delivered the online world to more Canadians than any other company, including on the weekends. Now I know much gets talked about and written about our unions. While we have our differences, we both agree that Canada Post must transform. That is why Canadian Union of Postal Workers and Canada Post reached a negotiated agreement at the end of 2012 that allows us to create a more competitive wage structure and creates new efficiencies in our operating network. Just last weekend, our administrative staff represented by Public Service Alliance of Canada also voted to accept our offer for the new agreement. This new agreement will bring wage restraint and create a more competitive wage structure for the next generation. Let me conclude by saying that we take a lot of pride in everything we do for Canadians every single day and are confident that by redefining our relevance, what started with a few horses 250 years ago will become the physical horsepower behind Canada's growing digital economy for generations to come. Thank you. Thank you, Deepak. So we've got, uh, we've got time for a few questions. Um, so this one touches on a question that's come up a couple times in terms of comparing how other countries are um, dealing with things. So the question is, has any other country tried delivering mail on alternative days, and has Canada Post studied that? Uh, to our knowledge, there is no other country in the world that has reduced the frequency to alternate day or less than daily. Um, and the reason for that continues to be, in our opinion, that is the product. Delivering mail is the product. And if you stop delivering mail um, until you reach a certain point where the mail volumes no longer warrant that number, it's very difficult to sell a product that you no longer deliver. So one of the big concerns in the postal industry continues to be that going to alternate day or twice a week will accelerate the substitution even further. So that continues to be a major concern, and we have no empirical evidence of any other country experimenting. So we could study the mail volume erosions, or we could study the implications. So it has not been the case. In fact, uh, countries that have gone the route of uh, even uh, making their, their postal services commercial have maintained 
uh, five, <coughs> five or in some cases six day delivery. The uh, second question, this comes up again a few times and it's the, the theme of technology. Uh, so this is a representative question. It says, in a digital world, how do you expect, um, do you expect direct mail to remain relevant and if so, how? That's uh, probably the most frequently asked question. Why are you delivering junk mail? Mr. Chopper, why are you delivering junk mail? We don't need any junk mail. Then we have businesses who spend $1.2 billion on using marketing mail. Why is that? I believe there are two or three factors that make our product unique because it continues to reinvent itself as well. Uh, so let's just first talk about the search engine marketing. We believe search engine marketing is, is a phenomenal invention. It'll continue to grow and will continue to serve those who are willing, able, and ready to purchase an item or ready to act. But large consumer product businesses, retailers, often send offers that you're not thinking about. The idea of creating excitement through an offer is very difficult to be replicated in the digital space. Not to say there isn't experimentation going on in social media and every other digital format. But it is so crowded that a targeted meaningful piece that comes in the physical format, which invokes a lot more senses than just visual, you have physical smell and other opportunities, the creativity of direct marketing will continue to reinvent itself because it is the opposite side of search. So if you have a sale on and if you opened up a new sushi restaurant in your neighborhood and you weren't planning to go for dinner on a sushi, you see that new flyer or new postcard, it prompts you to think about maybe we should try this place. So the reason people use this medium, because it works. And second item related to that is the timing. I was mentioning earlier on to Gord that on Wednesday a flyer comes for pizza and it is proclaimed as junk mail and it goes into the recycling bin. On Friday, you come home tired and you want to order a pizza and the first thing you do is run to the recycling bin <laughs> to pick it up and say, that was the deal I wanted to get. So on one day, this document is junk mail. On another day, it's a valuable document. So uh, we are kind of the unsung story behind the marketing and it will continue to reinvent itself. We are very excited about the creativity of marketing community, particularly in the print as variable print and other technologies come into play, that it will redefine uh, marketing mail in some exciting ways. Samples is a fastest growing category for teas and coffees and cosmetics. So we think it will give more ideas as we create a parcel locker network. We have the box, what would you do with it is the question to the marketing community. We think we have some very exciting opportunities. And we have time for one last question, and this um, touches on the theme of, um, of employees. You talked a little bit about your uh, labor contract. You talked a lot about the changes at, um, at Canada Post when you put them together. The question really is, are employees with you on all the changes that are happening at Canada Post? That's, uh, that's another question that gets asked a lot. Uh, we live in two worlds. Uh, one world is where we have to negotiate with our bargaining agents. 
our unions. And the other world is the employees. Uh, the most recent example is the last weekend's vote uh, by Public Service Alliance of Canada members, Canada Post employees, administrative employees. Uh, they voted overwhelmingly to support Canada Post's offer. They never voted for a strike mandate, and that was in the backdrop where the union leadership had asked our employees to reject the agreement. Our employees get it. They understand they are seeing their own behavior, they are seeing the digital challenges, and they are incredibly passionate about the future of the company. Yes, we have differences at times with our unions, but we also have more agreements, uh, which we have demonstrated in the last two rounds that we have achieved. But this is an ongoing journey. Employees get excited in any company when you have an exciting future. I think we are starting to move the needle on fixing some of our structural issues. We're starting to move the needle on our growth strategy on parcels and, and marketing and digital. And as employees see the company that has the potential to reinvent itself, there is going to be engagement. And if the recent weekend vote is an example, I'm very optimistic. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'd like, I'd like to call upon Ratna Amidvar, director of the Canadian Club, to formally thank uh, Mr. Chopra. Thank you, Gord. Thank you, Mr. Chopra, Deepak, for those remarks, that wonderful overview of history. I always enjoy those lessons and your remarks delivered by a special delivery, on time, in budget, on budget, in the shape of our own Canada's chief mailman. Uh, thank you very much. Canada Post is one of the handful of national institutions that holds our great vast country together, and I think of it very much as I think about the CBC, about national health care, hockey. Uh, it's the glue that holds us all together, and from that point of view, all of us Canadians in this room can only wish you all the best, and I want to commend you in particular on seeing opportunities where possibly others see threats. But one thing we can also project, that no matter what you do, Canadians will continue to demand high standards of service that they have come to expect from you and from our other national institutions. So those are challenges. Uh, we wish you all the best, and we welcome you back to deliver an update on what we anticipate and what we hope will be very positive results for you. Thank you. Thank you, Ratna. Uh, Deepak, I want to echo Ratna's comments and thank you for being here, but um, I also want to thank you for the uh, marketing advice. If we decide to introduce uh, beverage tasting as part of our program, I think our <laughs> audience members are going to be very grateful thanks to you. Our sincere thanks once again to today's event sponsor, Tories LP, for making the event possible. Uh, please don't forget to fill out the event survey cards on your way out. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers Television in the days to come. We're grateful to Rogers TV for their continued promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the club, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. Thank you for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned.